future, talk radio will actually educate, inspire, and make you think. The future is now. Topics and music that affect your life from Universal Broadcasting Network. Tune in at ubnradio.com. She's passionate about telling stories of amazing women who are rocking the world and empowering women to live, love, and thrive. Here's your host, Katherine Gray. Good morning, hello, or good afternoon. Welcome to Live, Love, Thrive, Women's Empowerment Hour, brought to you by 360karma.com. As you know, every week we have amazing women on. In fact, next week we're gonna have Kimberly Moore. She has a foundation that we're gonna be talking about. She's also one of the founders of the exclusive Echelon Club. So we'll look forward to that, as well as uh, an accomplished uh, performance coach, Susan Rose. So if you don't want to miss any episodes, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube or download us on your podcast, uh, iTunes, iHeart, or other uh, avenues that you enjoy your podcasts on. So uh, today we have an incredible guest. She's 96 years old. She's had an incredible life she's going to share with us. Her family was the uh, founders of Baskin Robbins, and she is an acclaimed artist, uh, Miss Shirley Baskin. Rob, <laughs> Ms. Shirley Baskin Familian. And uh, later in the show, we are going to talk with web guru uh, Yumi Harad. And uh, Yumi is going to share with us her very interesting story being born in Vietnam and uh, her journey here to the United States. So stay tuned for that. First up, please welcome Shirley Baskin Familian. <laughs> Hi, Shirley. How are you? I'm good today. How good. are you? Good. I'm good. Yeah. Uh, I have to say I was amazed when uh, uh, I visited you about a month or so ago and you said, oh, I just got up from the gym. And I was like, <laughs> from the gym? Oh, my gosh. No wonder you're still rocking and rolling at 96. Good for you. Well, three days a week. Three days a week. Good three for you. Three days a week. Wow. One hour. Yeah. And you've been doing that for how long? Since I was 95 years? <laughs> Just not, about, right? Not quite. No, I started when I was about 40. Oh, when you were 40. Okay, yeah. so it's never too so late to I've start. Been yeah. doing it yeah. continually. Do you still like it? I love it. You love it? I guess I that's a, you'd have to love it to keep doing it for 50 yeah. years. Yeah. No, man, I feel yeah. good. You yeah. know, it makes me kind of... Yeah, limber Get and ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. That's well, a... you inspire me. Uh, I know that you also are an acclaimed artist. You have shows at various places we're going to talk about, and you have a very interesting niche of art, which I can't wait to share with everybody. Oh dear. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but first of all, um, want to just talk a little bit about your background because I like people to get to know my guest and what okay. their background is. Uh, I understand you were born in Canada. I was. Yeah, I love Canada. Do you like Canada? Well, I don't really know very much about Canada yeah. because I left when I was three years old. Three. I guess in 93 years it's changed a little bit. Yes, I imagine so. <laughs> I imagine so. Uh, but that was Winnipeg, yes? Winnipeg. Yeah. Uh, and then you ended up in the uh, Washington area, right? Yes. yes. My parents uh, came to the United States when I was three. Mm-hmm. And we settled in Seattle. Oh, nice. That's beautiful yes. there. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And so I know you were sharing with me that uh, you, you went to college. You were uh, president uh, in Seattle, president of uh, the Girls Association there, the Women's Association. Yes. And, uh, and, and college was an exciting time for you. 
It, yes. it was indeed. Yeah. yeah. It was. As, I, as for most of us. I loved college. It was a, it, well, a lot of fun. I, I, when I started school, I decided I was going to be active. Mm -hmm. I wasn't just going to study. I was going to be part of the university scene. Right. And, and uh, that's what happened. So I you, did. Uh, so you um, obviously, you mentioned that you were part of a sorority? Yes. Yeah. I joined a sorority because I had to have a place to live. Mm -hmm. And um, I did a little bit of that too, but I really concentrated a little bit on, of living the, or <laughs> on, the on the university and having a good time. Yeah, I bet. I yeah. bet. Being away from yeah. home, it yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah, we there, all remember it, that. We all remember that. It was a good time. Exciting. <laughs> we it won't. Was. We won't tell everything. <laughs> no, no, I won't. You can be, you can be sure I won't. <laughs> but let's just say it was a good time. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so I understand. Then you uh, were invited to Chicago, where you end up meeting a young fella during the time of the World War II, and uh, it was before the war. Before the war. It was okay. before the war. And that's but when you met Butch? That's when I met yeah. uh, my husband. Mm -hmm. And uh, we fell in love. Mm -hmm. and husband. Yeah. Uh, but he was called off to enlist in the war, he right? He went into, the, he uh, joined the Navy mm -hmm. and uh, went overseas immediately. No wow. training. Wow. Because they were desperate for men. And yeah. He went over as a... Young Ensign. Mm -hmm. He looked very handsome in I his bet. Uh, <laughs> Navy garb. <laughs> and um, he was gone for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And when he came back, then we got married. And you had finished college I by had then? I finished school yeah. by then. Good. I know I, your, da I know I your dad graduated. said you had to graduate college, right? Yes. Yeah. We, he wanted to get married before we left, but my father said no. Yeah. And in those days, you yeah, know, yeah. you did what, what your said father when. said. Right, right. And so we waited. Mm -hmm. And uh, I. That was uh, a long wait, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yes. Yeah. But it gave me an opportunity to finish school and to get a job and go to work. Right, right. Yes. And you worked so. for, you said, the government, the housing authority? Yes, I worked for the Federal Housing Authority. Mm -hmm. And uh, we helped uh, young uh, Army, they were primarily Army uh, people, uh, find housing. Wow. And uh, you told me that was the only job you've had. That was my only job. Right. But you then went on to do amazing work with uh, nonprofit world and also uh, this amazing artist career. Now, you were an art well, major in college, right? I was an art major. Yeah. I started with uh, formal training mm -hmm. when I was in high school. And then I went on to college and became an art major mm -hmm. and had four years of artwork at the university. And then I just always continued. I, I have done so many different mediums. Right. You, you draw, I, you paint, and then you do this I uh, did, uh, unique stamp. Uh, 
collages yes. that we're going to talk about. Yes, yeah. I did. I worked with tiles and did mosaics. Oh, wow. I did watercolors, oil paints, charcoal drawing. I, d I did the whole yeah. gamut. This just brings you a lot of and joy, obviously. It does. Yeah. And I must say that uh, in the last 25 years, where I have been forced to slow down, yeah, uh, it's been a godsend. Yeah, I do think that's what really keeps you young. Yes, because yeah. I'm never bored. I yeah. always have something to do, and I guess the creative spirit is still there. I do think that's what keeps people uh, living a long, long, healthy life is uh, the physical workout that you do and then doing something that uh, feeds your soul, that you're passionate about, whatever that gift is that, that makes you happy. So you're lucky well, that you've had that your entire I life. I call myself a constant doodler because <laughs> I always have a pencil in my hand. I'm always drawing and moving about, you know, yeah. sketching. Not really sketching, but just yeah. doing doodling. what, doodling. Yeah, yeah, that's just a good, plain, that's a good art. Plain old-fashioned doodling. Well, before we talk about your collage art, uh, I'm, I'm sure the audience would love to know about <clears throat> how your family started this iconic chain, Baskin Robbins. Uh, you had yes. explained to me that uh, that you uh, and your husband. And also your brother, you all had the first franchises. You started it here in California in yeah. Glendale and Pasadena. Those yeah. were the first two. And then uh, your husband uh, and your brother, uh, Baskin and Robin, uh, decided to franchise it. And it looks like uh, you started it in 1946, right? They've, we opened our first store. Yeah. Uh, after the boys, uh, both my brother and husband, uh, were home from the service. And, and both of them landed here in Los Angeles. Well, or we had been, uh, both of us had been stationed in California, and we mm -hmm. fell in love with it. We yeah. said, this is where we want to stay. Yeah. He was from Chicago. I didn't want to go back up north. And I loved the sunshine and, and everything that California had to offer. Sure, after rainy Seattle and cold Chicago, what could look better than California, that, right? Yeah, and <laughs> I didn't want to go to Chicago, that was for sure. So uh, we stayed in California, and uh, Los Angeles became our home. Now, it's very interesting about why you got in the ice cream business. So a lot of people may not know that you grew up uh, with your family owning a dairy farm, right? No, we didn't have a farm. Oh, but, not in a farm? But oh. my father had a dairy. A dairy. Oh, gotcha. He had a dairy. And he uh, milk and cottage cheese and butter and buttermilk. And, and, and ice and, cream. And right. ice cream. Right. And my brother was raised mm -hmm. uh, in the ice cream business and, and went to work when he was about 14. Um, he worked at the factory, and my father started him in the probably the lowest job that was available. Yeah, you got to work and, your way up. And he, he learned the business. 
So when he got out of the service, he knew that he would continue in the some face of the ice cream business. And my husband had been in the clothing business in Chicago. Oh. And, but he had little um, education in ice cream during the service because he was in the ship service. Oh. And that involved some ice cream. Oh, so I have a lot of experience in ice cream. He was... Uh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so he decided that he was going to join the ice cream family mm -hmm. and uh, the boys became partners mm -hmm. and formed Baskin Robbins. What a great they story. Took, they took their two names and that was it. As I recall growing up, uh, for most of us baby boomers, uh, it was really the first ice cream chain that we grew up with. Yes. And I think the, the big thing I remember was the big deal about they had the 31 flavors, which I think ended up being a lot more, but that yeah. was kind of their pitch, right? So did they feel like that was what was gonna set them apart, was having so many flavors? Well, they decided to start with 31. Yeah. And of course, they had many, many more. There are a few standards yeah. that they have all the time. I, I heard that, every, that every, most people like vanilla. Every or, season, yeah, they would come up with some new flavors. Right. Ah, oh, so, so okay, they change it up, and and we all did the testing. Oh, fun! My uh, husband <laughs> used to bring home four cartons of ice cream. One, two, three, four. And I had, I tasted them, and he wanted to know which one I thought was the best. Oh, they how were fun. all very similar. Yeah. One was a little sweeter than the other, or had more candy in it. Uh, but basically, they were very much the same. Oh, so that, that, that like was fun. my first job with him. <laughs> <laughs> so that was your second job. <laughs> that Basically. was my second job, but my first job with him. So uh, what was your favorite flavor? Just curious. Oh, well. Of course, it's Rocky Road. Ro oh, I love Rocky Road. Rocky yep. Road. Yep, that, I'm a big fan. And uh, I used to always feel they had the best chocolate chip for sure. Oh, everybody yeah. loves chocolate chip. Yeah. I like it, too. I like chocolate mint. Uh, oh, I, I can't go into all the flavors. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, come on, come on, Shirley. Tell me all 31. I've tasted <laughs> <kidding>. them all. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds like a fun endeavor. It was yeah. a wonderful business to be in. It was a happy business. Everybody enjoyed it, and we used yeah. to have a lot of fun with it. Yes. We had a freezer at home, and in those days that was quite unusual. And we had it filled with ice cream. So naturally, all the kids in the neighborhood would hang around. Yeah. So they could Better have than their planters ice peanuts, cream. huh? <laughs> and on uh, uh, Halloween, we didn't give candy. We gave ice cream. Did you cone. really? Yes. <laughs> I, I take up. it they ate it. They didn't bring it home, right? No. Yeah. Well, very fun. What a neat yeah, business. And you're right. It, it's a something, a business that makes people happy. Who isn't happy to eat an ice cream well, cone? Yeah. Yeah. A feel-good business. And you guys built that up over 20 years uh, to be over 5,000 franchises. 
uh, around yeah. the world. Yeah. Around the world. Yeah. We first started in California, gradually went to other states mm -hmm. where we uh, sold uh, the idea mm -hmm. they had they followed the Baskin Robbins plan, and it just grew like Topsy because everybody loved it. It was a superior quality, right? And uh, they loved the variety. Absolutely, and and so uh, the unique part of the business you shared with me is that you all supplied the ice cream and the packaging to all the franchisees. Well, we. When we went out of the state, there was, uh, we allowed them to to make the ice cream. But they had your recipes. They had their, right. they had they made them the same. We supplied some of the ingredients. Mm -hmm. Some were local, and some we uh, supplied, and but they used the same packaging and. Mm -hmm. The stores had to all be similar so that no matter where you went, if you went to Baskin Robbins, it would be familiar and you would know what exactly what to expect. Right. So in 1967, you sold that business. And yes. uh, unfortunately, that's when your uh, first husband, uh, Butch, passed away. Um, yes. That must have been so tough. I mean, you just sold it to Dunkin' Donuts, probably ready no, to celebrate. No, we, we didn't sell it to Dunkin' Donuts owns it now. Oh, owns it now. I see. But we sold it to United Fruit. Oh, who then sold it to Dunkin'. No. It, oh, it sold it, a few it times? It went through a few hands. Gotcha. Um, when the, in the franchise business, that's very familiar with this. Yes. They go to you buy and sell, right? Just like you buy the ice cream and right. sell it. So, um, as I was saying, uh, so unfortunately, your husband that built this up over twenty years, uh, as soon as you sold it, um, he unexpectedly passed away, which I yeah. know was tough. You had two teenage kids, and that wasn't easy. And then I know you ended up. <clears throat> uh, you know, going to Dallas, and then you ended up back in L.A. and yeah. fortunately met another incredible man who was uh, your your last husband, which was um, Isidore Familian. Yeah. Uh, thus, Shirley Familian, and um, he he too was a real community leader, one of the founders of um, the American Jewish University, and and just yes. a real uh, stellar leader in the community. Yes. So you had some amazing husbands. I did indeed. Yeah, lucky, lucky you and lucky yeah. them. Yeah, lucky me. Yeah, that's so nice. Yeah, and and then you um, also became very involved. Uh, I know with KCET, which which is what I always love when when women are very accomplished and 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 they have a successful uh, surroundings. That it, it's so important, isn't it, to give back. Well, my uh, Butch was asked to be on the board, mm -hmm. the original board of KCET. Mm -hmm. And this and was like 50 years ago, right? It so, was something. more than more that. that. Yeah. More than that. I think you were on, you all, you were involved with them for 50 years, right? I mean, yes. There was a 50 years in there, yeah. I was a volunteer wow. for 50 years. I wow. never thought I'd last that long doing anything. Right. But uh, it kept. It was very 
inspiring well, and very exciting. And I enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah. I mean, so thanks to people like you, we have public television. I mean, uh, it's getting harder and harder for us to keep that uh, with what's going on in the world. So well, let's hope that we always have public television. It's such an amazing way so. to deliver unique programming that we otherwise wouldn't have. So I'm really glad that you you did that for such a long yeah. time. Well, you can understand yeah. why I stayed with it for so long because yeah. it was it was very exciting and I made some wonderful friends not only with the staff but with the other volunteers. So uh, besides that uh, give back work, I, I do feel like an artist is also uh, giving of themselves to the world, uh, bringing something beautiful as art. And you developed this really unique niche in art, this collage art using stamps. And I want to talk about how you got into that uh, genre that is unique to you and maybe a few others, but it, it, it's I know it's not a common art. No. And um, uh, and you've done showings in, in various places, and you have one coming up, and we're going to talk about that. But also, um, I'm showing the viewers right now some some of the items that you created, including the first one, which was a stool. So I wanted to yeah. talk about how you actually got into this. You were collecting stamps. I, yeah. That is correct. I collected stamps, not as a stamp collector. Mm -hmm. I didn't have an album and put the stamps in and right. so forth. But I just saved stamps. You just had a love and appreciation just, for them. I just loved the design and the color, and I real you realize that every stamp is designed yes. by an artist. And... I don't know why I did it. I just did it. Yeah. And I had a box full of stamps, and I'd look at them once in a while and kept adding to it. Yeah. Kept thinking maybe one day I'll use them in some capacity. Or I, I had. I yeah. really didn't know what I was going to do with it. Yeah. Until my granddaughter was about two years old. And I told her mother, my daughter, I said, you have to get a stool for her so she can step up to the basin and wash her hands, brush her teeth. And she said, that's a good idea. I'll get one. I said, no, let me get it. So I went to the unfinished furniture store, and I bought this little stool. And I had planned to paint it because I'd never glued a stamp except on an envelope. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, I started fiddling around with my stamps, and I figured I could make designs out of this. Wow, it's, a, it's amazing you had that how epiphany. It, that's how it started. And I made the little stool, and on the top of it I put a, uh, a doll. Mm -hmm. and decorated the whole stool with stamps. She yeah, still has it, by the way. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that still, is so unique that your, mind, uh, that your mind worked that way, but you are an artist, so, of course, I could you know, imagine that you just envisioned seeing this. And, and then since then, yeah. you have done the most amazing uh, array of uh, 
of stamp collages on different items, uh, circular ones, uh, ones that look like a, a person, a mannequin, uh, all different shapes. Yes. And, and yeah. that is what is so extraordinary and why different places like the Craft Museum here in Los Angeles have showcased your work because yeah. it's so extraordinary and unique. Well, it is different and I never know what I'm going to do next. Mm -hmm. And I stay awake nights thinking about it and planning it and how I'm going to do it and how big it should be and so forth. I have thousands and thousands of stamps now. Uh, I have big, large cartons full right. of stamps. Uh, my friends collect and strangers. After I had my show at the Craft Museum, which was very successful, uh, Strangers started sending me stamps. I love that. Isn't that cool? I love they probably, that too. Yeah, they probably thought, why not let it be made into art? Yeah, uh, that's exactly what happened. And, and then I know you told me you do it a little differently. That there may be a couple people that do the stamp art collages, but no one does it the way that you do. You you uh, eliminate the white border and you put it into uh, yes. different designs and it's labor yeah. intensive. Very. First, I have to soak the stamp off the envelopes. Oh my gosh! Because my uh, most people that give me stamps just tear the stamp off the envelope. Oh, I thought they were giving you like sheets of envelopes. They're actually on the envelope, and you have to remove it. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah. That is a lot. That's of work. where the work starts, and mm -hmm. then I have to soak. I soak the stamps off. Uh, then they have to be pressed so they'll be flat. And when you all... say pressed, is this like with an iron or? <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't know. Is it? A... I put them between two pieces of wax paper. Oh, and, okay. And put it in a book. Okay. Then I you're giving your secrets away. <laughs> I stack up the books and mm -hmm. that flattens the stamps. And I work in my kitchen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then one thing you were telling me was interesting is when you do these shows, uh, art, art collections, they like you to have a name for the piece. And so you, because your son Richard is a uh, musician, yes. the two of you decided you'd start naming it after songs. Right. And so when you go to make a piece, you actually Google, because you are internet savvy. Of course you are. 96 years yeah. old, you're internet savvy. I love you. And uh, you go online and you look for songs that have that word in it. For instance, you, you shared with me that you're doing a frying pan right now, or yeah. coming up, and that you uh, Googled that word and, and came up with, uh, someone's in the kitchen with Dinah. Yes. Very clever. Yes. Very clever. And if I use the... Uh, U.S. flags have tons of those. If I use them, I call it Yankee Doodle Dandy Cute. or Hail to the Red, White, and Blue. You I know. love that. Very patriotic. Yes. Um, so, and so let's, because we're wrapping up, let's talk about what your next show is. It's going to be in New Mexico. Yes. Uh, coming up here in, soon. It's coming up in June. I'll be opening at the Mill Contemporary Gallery, 
and uh, they've already picked up the stamps, the pieces. I sent about 30 pieces. Oh, my gosh, 30. Um, to to the exhibition, be up there for about for a month. Oh, for a month. So if anybody yes. is visiting New Mexico or has friends there, they could tell them about the Absolutely. Shirley Baskin Familiar. Uh, the Mill Contemporary. Mill Contemporary. And it will exhibit. be there for the month of June. Great. And they can also go to your website, ShirleyFamilion.com, which is up on the screen, yes. to see more of your work and how to reach you. Maybe they want to donate stamps or see your next exhibition. <laughs> I'd be so, very happy to have them. Well, your work is extraordinary. Keep making beautiful art and uh, just making a difference with so. that. And, I, uh, well, you know, uh, you have to be lucky in life. And I have, I still do my work without glasses. Unbelievable. Once in a while, I have to put the glasses on because when I come across a foreign stamp, I want to know where it's from. Oh, yeah, of course. And I did one piece. Uh, the It's a 30-inch uh, diameter ball, so oh my it's gosh. big. How long did that take? How long? Yeah. I worked on it about six months. Six months. Wow, day and because night Because first you have to soak the stamps and collect them and so forth. Then you have to design it figure out how you're going to cover right. the stamps. And uh, on that particular piece, uh, there are 164 different countries involved. Wow. As I did the work and glued the stamps, we kept track of the countries. Wow. We counted the stamps as I was working. We put the stamps in piles of 100. There are 3,000 stamps on it, oh on the gosh. ball. Wow. And 164. Yeah. Wow, I that's amazing. I think it was 164 or 84. Uh-huh. Um, stamps on it. Well, I know there's talk of you being uh, exhibited eventually in Washington, D.C. in the uh, Museum of Women's Art. So uh, I'm cheering you on that that happens because uh, your art is so unique and I would love to see it there. Well, and uh, we're going to have people visit your website and follow your journey, Jewel, uh, Shirley, that's going to continue, I'm sure, for a long time. And I hope so. <laughs> and thank you for being on the show. You're an amazing lady. Well, thank you for thank being you here. Ha for having me You're on welcome. the show. And we will be right back. Uh, you're going to meet uh, Yumi Harad, so stay tuned. The Live, Love, Thrive radio show is produced by 360karma.com. Are you a 360 Karma woman? If so, spread the word. Be sure to follow us on social media at 360 Karma Women on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please like us and share us with family and friends. This is the year of the woman, and we are stronger together. The Live, Love, Thrive program is brought to you in part by Honda of downtown Los Angeles, supporting the equality and empowerment of women. And we are back with Yumi Harad. Hi, Yumi. Hi. How Kathy, are you? Thank you for having me. Oh, you bet. You <laughs> bet. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I want to talk about 
what an amazing web guru you are you. and how you can help our viewers actually grow their business through web development because sure. I think it's something that's uh, really um, invaluable information to our entrepreneurs out there. Yeah. Uh, but first I want to talk about your journey here to the U.S. because yeah. it is quite a story. It In is fact, quite a story. Yeah, you're telling me they want to make a documentary about it. Yes, it, it's, it's worth the story of documentary to share with everybody. Um, so I was born in Vietnam yeah. to a Vietnamese uh, mother, and a my father was black. Yeah, he was in. It was during the war, mm -hmm. and um, towards the end of the war, so the that Vietnam was War. Vietnam War, right. yes. So that was uh, the fall of Saigon was April thirtieth, nineteen seventy-five. Wow. Um, so a couple weeks before that, my my story was that uh, my family was background is Catholic. Mm -hmm. And there was a Holt adoption agency that was Catholic-based oh. there, and they went around to the villages and they said, if you have Amerasian children, if you have mixed children, um, the communists are coming and they're progressing into, and they're taking over. It was starting to, you know, basically um, advance. Mm -hmm. And so um, they they went around. They said, listen, if you if you give up your ch child that's mixed Asian. Um, for that part American and mix and give uh, them up for adoption, we will guarantee their safety. But wow. you have to act very fast. Oh my gosh, they didn't even have time to think. I'm no, sure. so this was around um, because it was dangerous it was for you to very stay dangerous, there. Yes, right. I, so if they didn't give you up for adoption, things I don't, were not. I don't know what my life yeah. would have been. Yes. So yeah. my family, um, my aunt told, tells me, um, my aunt Yin, she told me that they had a family council. And they decided it was a, an uncle of mine named Hai and myself. We were both mixed in the family. Mm -hmm. And um, they decided to go ahead and put us up for adoption at the Holt Agency. So, and, 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 and just to stop for a second and think what love there had to been to decide to let you go to America for your own good yeah. and I mean, safety. It was, it was definitely. Because it had to have been so hard for them to make that decision. Obviously, they had the family council and. Yeah, yeah I mean, it was it was a very difficult decision sure. that my mother had to also make, too. Um, obviously, I was like four and a half, so. And your biological mom's still in your life today? She is, oh, yeah. And how I can, wonderful. Yeah, and I can tell that story. That's an interesting part. But, um, so they decided to do that. So that was April 12th. So I was there, I went to the orphanage, I was there for about a week, and then my mom and dad now, my adoptive parents, they came around April 19th. And, and you shared they were missionaries. They were missionaries, mm -hmm. and they were there. My mom was a nurse, my father was in the church, and they were uh, conscientious objectors of the war, and they were there to help out. And um, they wanted to adopt a child, so they came to the orphanage, and they said, well, what child can we adopt? And the whole agency said, you know, this child here, let's get her, let's get her back to America. Wow. So that was April 19th, and then. You had a little golden something over I, your head, I really, right? I have. Because we've talked about this, all the lucky breaks in your life, and that was the first one. It was amazing, yeah. amazing lucky break. And, and the sun and the moon and the stars aligned. It yeah. was a really incredible story. And a week later, April 25th, um, there were two cargo planes. Yeah. full of children 
Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't even like a passenger plane. They were like, uh, hurry up and get out. You have to get out. Oh my gosh. So um, my parents got us in, in one cargo plane. And so it was, um, I don't know if people know historically, but it's called, it was called Operation Baby Lift. Oh, wow. So there were two planes that took off um, in, in uh, April 25th. And uh, the first plane of children actually got shot down. <gasps> oh my gosh, I have chills. Yeah. The second plane, oh my, gosh. my plane, landed. Oh my gosh. There's 33 children on that plane and I was the one wow. that landed. So there's always been... This, the, your story <laughs> makes me want to cry. It's so touching. It's, yeah. Yeah, you must get emotional telling it. Well, yeah. it's, it's, it's been one of those journeys that uh, yeah. you don't even realize the journey that you have, right? right. How incredible right. it is when you, until you get older and you realize, wow, wow. I've, I have, it's been divine guidance. And, yes. And being watched over and things like that. Yes. And, um, and to, and my mother, my birth mother at the time, she went back to the whole agency to see if I was gone. And she's, and she, they never knew until years later that I was actually safe. Um, so they didn't know if you, which plane you were on. They didn't know. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. my gosh. It's an incredible story. I just have and, goosebumps all uh, running up and down my neck. Yeah. It's, it's, like, a, it's wow. an incredible story. I can't story. imagine being in her shoes. No. It's very much like that movie that came out this year. Um, Lion, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Lion. Did you see it? I didn't see it, but it's, a, it's, a, there's similar parallels yeah. to it. Yeah. And so, um, that actually was how I got to the United States. <laughs> so this wonderful fam, the a couple, uh, the missionaries that adopted you, mm -hmm. um, were, were they on that plane with you? Yeah, or? they, they oh, were they on, were the, on plane the plane too, yeah. Uh -huh. So it was um, them and some kids and the Army soldiers. I was talking to my mom last night about uh, being on your show, and um, she said that the, the, the U.S. soldiers were giving everybody hot dogs. She said nobody, you know, our as a child, I didn't know what a hot dog was. Right, she right. She said I had them stuffed everywhere in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, oh, right, these yeah, are awesome. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't know what they were because, you know, but it was hilarious, you know, that. Uh, That's she, cute. Yeah. So she's. So they took you to, did you say Hawaii first? Yeah, so yeah. from Vietnam, you go to Hawaii, obviously, mm -hmm. and that's like the first stop from... Mm -hmm. um, and you were five. I was time. almost five. Yeah, I was four mm -hmm. and a half. I was close to five. And um, I was na became a naturalized citizen there. Mm -hmm. And um, that I mean, was... at five years old, how, what impact did this have on you leaving your country, coming oh, into I, a... Were I, you just like totally freaked? Or? I think I was... I think you don't really know what's happening right. to you. you. But the fact that I was really taken care of and yeah. by people who were kind and loving, like my, my parents, uh, Bill and Peggy, um, and again, watched over. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was just, it's an amazing journey, and, and I, I think I told you the other day, I was like, I, I didn't speak English. Right. I spoke Vietnamese and French fluently, so wow. um, I had to learn a new language. I had oh to adapt. And I mean, the good thing is at five, isn't it a little bit easier than when an adult to learn English? Oh, yeah. 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 So I mean, that was you, a plus. you assimilate very fast, yeah. you know, but um, yeah, that, that was when I got naturalized, so. Do you still speak Vietnamese and I French? Don't, I don't speak as much. I don't speak Vietnamese. I took French um, back again, like for five and a half years. But uh -huh. it's one of those languages you have to use it. Yeah. So I know I can hear it. I can I can I can understand it. But yeah. the fluency of it, you know, it's not there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you had good adoptive parents. They I were did. kind to you, and so how wonderful. Yeah, that was a blessing too, because it can yeah. go, it could have my story could have gone either way. It's yes. always like a point in time 
where everything was always either way. Yeah, because right? you do hear adoptive stories that are not pretty. So, no, they're I mean, not. You're so lucky. Yeah. yeah. How in the world did you reconnect with your mom? Oh, that's an interesting. That's that's another part of the interesting story. So, um, it was actually last year. Just last year? Yes, last year. So it was forty years later. Last year, my um, I I had to, so two years about two or three years ago. I can't even remember. I don't know. You heard of um, ancestry DNA? Oh yes, yeah. I took ancestry. We need to do that. Okay, yeah. so I t I knew my mother's side because mm -hmm. it's Vietnamese. I didn't know what my father's side completely was. So I took there was like some ninety nine dollar promo on ancestry DNA that I I was like I think I should just kind of learn a little bit more about what my makeup is. Yeah. So I found out I'm. Uh, my, my family came from part of Central Asia to Southeast Asia on my mom's side, and my oh. dad's side was uh, Ghana and uh, American. And um, there's a little Asian Pacific Islander in there, but not much. And, um, and so I, t I took the DNA test. It was sitting there for a couple years, and you know, once you learn about your DNA, you don't really, you kind of don't really um, look at it again. And did you? Did you think I, I will never reconnect with my mom? Did you? I, I did. Yeah. But the irony is, my my dad Bill he he emails me one day and he goes, "Didn't you take a DNA test?" And I was like, "Yeah, I did." So I log back. He goes, "Can you send it to me?" So I log back into Ancestry DNA just like years later. I mean, I took the test a couple of years before. Um, go in and I see a message. <gasps> And the message oh my gosh, your story. <laughs> oh my God, I have goosebumps again. I know the message sa says oh you God. have a very close um, uh, ancestor, um, a si like a sibling, almost like could be a, a, oh a half brother or a cousin. So I happen to have a message from my brother, my half brother Michael. And at the time, I didn't know he was my half brother. Oh, so wow. we're, we're conversing back and forth. And now, he, were you all brought to, over here on that same plane? Well, he came, he's a few years younger than me. Oh, so okay. So he came later after okay. I was adopted off and my mom married, remarried somebody else. Um, but he, for some strange reason, my brother decided to have, take a DNA test. I don't know why. But it matched us. And he's oh and in the course of us communicating, he says, well, what part of Vietnam were you in? I said, Bien Hoa. He said, my mother was in Bien Hoa. And I was like, oh, okay, well, whatever. This is very nice. And... Uh, <laughs> And then she says, well, what's her name? And I said, Nia. And he says, my mother's name is Nia. Oh, my gosh. And it just escalated into this whole thing that unfolded that um, he contacted my aunt in Toronto, Canada, and said, do you know about this person? And, and um, she sent him pictures of me as a child. She said, yes, that's, that's your, that's your half-sister. Oh, my gosh. Now, does your mother still live in Vietnam, or she moved here? She's here. She was here. She's here. Oh, oh yeah. she moved here. Yeah. And, um, Is that how he ended up here? Or? Well, he's not in California. I think he's, um, he's in the East Coast. Oh. And um, I have a half-sister who is in California. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so it's, it, it's... Now, you don't know what happened to your biological dad. Yeah. My mom, and, and, my mom gave me his name and said he was probably in the Air Force. Um, that I, you know. Wouldn't it be weird if like you were on air and somebody <laughs> hears this story and he's like, oh my God, that's me. I'm not, hey, I would, you never I, know. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. with the things that happen You to may me. still find him one day. Yeah. Well, I found a lot of people right lately in yeah. the past like two yeah. years of my life. So yeah. I, I feel like there's a lot of digest, you know, digesting yeah. that process right. and everything. Right. Um, learning, you know, learning about my new family. It's, it's, it's really been a, you know, the past year and a half has been very transformational for me. Yeah. It's, so I would say that uh, 
I think I can pause for a second about finding family. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Uh, Digest what you already know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a process. Now, um, uh, the, the movie uh, Lion uh, mm -hmm. explained that this, this boy uh, wanted to meet his biological, uh, not meet her, be reunited with his biological mom who thought that you know, he, she didn't even know he was alive, mm. you know. And so I can imagine that similar, you know, scenario with your yeah. mom. She must have been uh, obviously so thrilled to find out that she did. you were okay. And, and, and then icing on the cake that you guys get to reconnect. Um, how, how, how has that affected? Because uh, everybody that has challenges in their life, and we all do, mm -hmm. every, everybody does, is just pick one. It's like everybody's one, yeah. got something. Uh, how has that impacted how you handle your life? Or how do you think it's positively impacted the, the way that you uh, run your life? Like you're a very successful entrepreneur, and do you think yeah. it, and somehow that's lent itself to you know, well, your yeah. achievements? Yeah. Um, well, definitely just a, a, a deep, deep level of empathy. Mm -hmm. You just learn to be really observant, watch people um, hearing stories and of, of human triumph, and even with your show, Live, Love, Thrive, is a wonderful show about um, people overcoming adversities and yeah. things like that. So you kind of get more plugged into that and really connected to that more. And isn't um, it interesting just in life at large, like in a community, let's say LA, and we have a group of friends, most people don't know people's backstory. Yeah. And it's one of the things I love about the show is that people will open up and tell their backstory and, and people are always like, oh, I didn't know that about them. And it makes us feel more connected yeah. like you're saying and more empathy for one another because everybody's had hard things they've been through and so uh, it's a wonderful way storytelling and sharing our stories which is why I created this platform mm -hmm. is such a great way for us to uh, come together absolutely and and, and have a, a uh, uh, to be inspired to help each other oh absolutely yeah. it's a wonderful platform and I and I think that's what it you know, I, I tend to be a, a private person, so... And, and most people are. Yeah. yeah, and so this story that's unfolded in my life, it's something that it's really hard not to share, right? Right. And it is inspirational. And, and, and also, I always think, you know, who's out there listening that has your story? Yeah. And maybe you've inspired them like, oh, well, maybe I should go on Ancestry.com or whatever, you know, exactly. like, hey, it worked for her, you know. Yeah. We knew, right? Yeah. So, yeah, and, it's, and it, it is an empathy, and you want to be in a position to help other people. That's really becomes the, the um, I think the motivator is, mm -hmm. is okay, the, how do you take this story and turn it into something where you can actually be um, helpful mm -hmm. and be of service? And I come from my family, you know, Bill and Peggy, they, they are a very service-oriented family. So it's, I mean, I've, I met you through volunteering too. Yeah. So it's like how can we be of service and and um, so that's really that has impacted my life I don't yes. think it would have been the same so right. um, now what about being a very independent entrepreneur uh, do you think that somehow uh, your background lent itself to making you a very independent woman I I know you said it made you a resilient woman yes yeah. definitely independent resilient I think uh, it, it helped me take risks that mm -hmm. other people might not have 
normally would take. Mm -hmm. You know, and it does take. It does involve taking risks to be an entrepreneur. Oh yes, yes. Mm -hmm. I I think if I knew all the things that I know now, and I had time to really think about it, I probably would have played it on the safe side, but I didn't. You right. Know? So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But um, y you know, so one of the things uh, was that in your background. Um, Right out of college, you were fortunate. Here's your luck. Yeah. It comes your lucky. You're a lucky girl. Yeah. Uh, you got this job with this digital online company that was uh, kind of one of the first in the foray of online video, mm -hmm. and uh, it happened to get uh, after you were one of the first twenty uh, employees there. So you got stock options. I did. Ended up mm -hmm. selling and becoming public, which was really quite a coup. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was an amazing experience. So I was I had graduated from college, and you know, a few years after that, um, I had my quote unquote real job, mm -hmm. and it was this with the startup company. And I had um, made my way to Atlanta to go, I went to Savannah College of Art and Design mm -hmm. from DC, and um, I ended up with this uh, startup company, a very small startup. It was like probably like 20, 25 people, mm -hmm. and I was like employee number twenty. Wow. And uh, they were like, do you know how to do flash? And do you know? And I said, yes. And so they hired me that day. <laughs> and uh, eventually I grew with the company and I, I became head of the department and watched the company grow from serving just local clients to national clients and then international clients. And it was, just a, it was again, a tremendous experience. It did go public. It mm -hmm. sold to uh, Limelight. And networks, and um, it sold for cash for uh, and stock options between the two of them for like a total of 110 million. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and so it it was the to learn about how to grow a company to get that kind of opportunity. It's 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 what people are doing now. Yeah, yeah, and that was back in 2010. Yeah. Yumi, your story is so fascinating, <laughs> and uh, we're getting ready to wrap up, and I don't want to miss anything. Um, so. The, the long and the short of it, you went and worked for another digital agency and ended up getting um, uh, laid off with a severance package yeah. that allowed you to then start your business, mm -hmm. which was, I think we talked about a blessing in disguise it again. And, and so many people get pushed out to where they have to go do something they otherwise might not have done. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and so in your case, that ended up being a great thing. And I know you said six months into it, you're like, oh my God, oh my God, is this going to work out? And right then you land at your six-figure client and off you went. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Which was it, a cool story. Yeah. So it was, it was a point when you're like, okay, have stock options from that sale yeah. from the company before. And you, you tr your savings and stuff is just kind of, you're watching it uh, kind of, you know, go spend very quickly. Yeah. And you you invest the money to make it work. Yeah. And, and I got a phone call from a, f a friend of mine who I'd work with um, at the other company, and I'd sent out some emails to people. I said, listen, I started my own company, and I, and I, uh, need some help if anybody knows anybody that's looking for work for web web development and things like that and so I got a call and it did I landed that that, that was job. it a farm did you come it was pharma <laughs> it was pharmaceutical yep. yeah yep and they they have deep pockets they so. have de <laughs> yeah again sun moon stars aligning uh, absolutely <laughs> absolutely well everything you deserve I'm sure thank you and then um, uh, I wanted to see do you have like one business tip for people that are starting their business uh, as with regard to th their 
web development or online marketing? Because I know that's yeah. your specialty. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is I see so many people not have a strategy. Mm -hmm. And I think having a strategy is so, so important um, that right. it's almost like uh, like you have to have it buttoned up. You have to understand like you need where a you're business going. plan. You need a roadmap. Even, yeah, if it's, roadmap. even if it's not something that you solidify and, it, and you can be open to changing it and being fluid. But so many people start without that direction. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, I think that that is a high risk that mm -hmm. leads to a lot of failure. So Yumi Consults. Uh, dot com mm -hmm. is where they can um, tap into your uh, expertise to help yeah. build their own business and create a strategy. Yeah. And then the last thing I just wanted to mention is that uh, I just love when successful women are giving back. That's who I try to have on the show. And you certainly fit into that perfectly because you are just starting uh, your nonprofit yeah. called NoTrafficking.org, yeah. which is a really tough subject. But I'm so glad you're doing that. People can find it online. You're just building it out. And uh, you're bringing people together to shed light on how they could get involved and how they could help and maybe uh, also how they can find other nonprofits that are in this uh, genre of uh, stopping trafficking of uh, of women and human beings. Yes, it's, yeah. It, yeah, it's actually no human trafficking. Um, and it, it does. It's, we're connected. Oh, that's the website. Yeah, no, no human, human trafficking trafficking org. org. Yeah. Thank you and, for correcting. And they're, they're actually, we're actually connectors. We, we see ourselves as connectors. And we want to, people want to get involved in the community and they want to know what they can do. And it's such a deep, dark subject, but something that is warranted for the community to, to be involved in. I think people do want to know how to get involved in that. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for helping women and other people build their businesses through web development and online marketing. And um, just thanks for sharing your story. Yeah, it thank was you really for having me. Amazing, and you're amazing. And uh, thank you for being here. No, I love. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, so we will be back next week with uh, more great women. Uh, it'll be Kimberly Moore and uh, Susan Rose. So be sure to tune in next Wednesday at noon. Make it a great week. Hugs and happiness.